Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. We are live. This is Graham in the Pitch Deck Asia studio. We are joined by Rajiv Lamba from Neurosense. And Rajiv, welcome back. Thanks, Graham. Good to see you again. It's good to see you again. Last time at E27. Yeah. In yeah. the exhibition hall. Absolutely. And bit of a story there as well. We were chatting. If you caught the interview with Rajiv the last time, we talked a little bit about you coming to Singapore from Indonesia, originally from where in the world? India. India, which part? Uh, Northern Delhi. Sorry, northern of north of India, which is yeah. uh, there's a place called Faridabad. It's near Delhi. Okay. Yeah. How many years have you been out of India? I think now. Uh, 15 years now. 15 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Singapore, by the way. Six months in. Good. So we're going to talk about uh, your journey, how the, the product came into being, and your background as well. Before we jump into the pitch deck, we are talking about research today, right. effectively. Right? right. The world of research. I mean, you come from the traditional world, the Nielsen's of this world. Yeah. What was changing in that world at the moment? Help us understand, you know, this has been around a very long time. Right. Everything from the early days when people did polling, even with the clipboards in the early days, to analysis, writing reports. How has it evolved in these years that you've been in it? I think uh, to some extent it is, I will say it is evolving right now. Okay, for many, many years, it, it, many, many years it was pretty similar. So, of course, people move from pen and paper into a tablet-based research. But I think uh, there's still, you know, the... the the entire issues with all the research was traditionally that I'm asking you and you're telling me what you feel. Yeah. And I think a lot of times in reality, consumers, they don't tell you their emotions, right? You always wonder that, I hope that I can understand what they're thinking. So that is something I think which has been relatively happening new mm. as, as a trend changer in a way. And and I think that's what neuroscience is all about. So, yeah. you know, which is, uh, which is what our one of the product does. Uh, which goes beyond the traditional understanding or a rational understanding. So I think that's one of the key trends that I see which has been picking up around around the world. And I think second trend that I've been kind of picking up, which is uh, how can you res make research more affordable? Mm. So if you look at the consultancy, a lot of time it's, it's only the big enterprises which can afford consulting. You go to the SMEs, they want it. It's not that they don't, they don't want research, but they don't have that much of budget to pay. So the idea that how can you make research more real-time, more affordable, so that's where service and some comes about, yeah. So I okay. think these are a couple of big trends which are happening. And the third big trend, I think, is, is all about big data, mm. which is, you know, how can you make sense, better sense of the data that you've got within the organization. So these are three big trends, I'll say, which are emerging in, in the market research. Great. And told like a researcher as well, breaking, <laughs> it, <laughs> breaking it down into easily understandable bite-sized chunks. Great. I like the, uh, let's unpack some of those as well and we'll jump into the pitch deck. The first bit I find really fascinating as a marketer myself, one of the things that I learned early on is that people buy on emotion and justify with logic. Right. So, you know, I bought this phone because of the functionality. That's what I'm telling you. But the reality is, is maybe I want it to look cool or impress somebody or not feel left out. Right. You know, these sort of emotional decisions are really, you know, the drivers of why people buy. Yet what you've said is for years and years, we've asked people, you know, why did you buy that phone? And they're not going to tell you the real reason because it's too raw. It's too 
in embedded in their own psyche and on you know their sort of like emotional issues and so on yet this is why people buy how, how has that changed then in recent years why are we now looking at that level when we've always kind of known that you know we buy on gut instinct many right. times right so i think uh, you know with the, with the advent of technology now i think we are lucky that there are few things which have emerged now which is you know uh, like a facial expressions or the entire brain mapping where you can read the brain responses like a neurologist does in a way yeah so i think the entire subconscious understanding has started evolving in the last couple of 2 or 3 years i believe uh, which has moved away from a simple system to thinking which was completely conscious based i think with more computer vision neuroscience coming in i think now we are able to get a deeper insight versus what we, what was lacking before yeah i think and it's, it's catching up like a like a wildfire in a way of course it started from us and europe and you know trying to move uh, coming to asia right now so i think is is i believe this is looking very very exciting for us mm. as an industry and will that actually change how people make products or market those products i think it is so i think uh, even if you look at the neuromarketing it's, it's a very newly evolved field mm. i think all of us knew that people buy on emotions right so i think uh, if you can understand those emotions better and you can understand the triggers better and of course their entire way of marketing changes completely mm. to what it was before and your completely consumer understanding changes a big time isn't it where you were completely taking decisions based on what they were saying yeah now you know what they're saying and you know what they're thinking so you're now able to add a layer on what they're what they're saying has there been any sort of big uh case study examples um not necessarily with your company but generally in this area where people have said look that was built that product on the basis of they did some emotional insight or neurological research for example and they discovered this right. and that was their finding yeah. has there been those sort of cornerstone case studies that people have referred to and built on many of them are I will not get into a specific example because of the confidentiality that yeah. we carry. But I think coming back to the the way entire Southeast Asia is, I believe very much Asia Pacific. So traditionally, when we ask consumers on a scale, which is a claim data or conscious mind, that on a scale of one to five, yeah. give me a rating. And uh, we have done many many examples in Indonesia per se. That's where we started with. where people are giving you a response of 4545 and across three thematics or three packagings some of the testing that we have been doing the scores they look very similar yeah but the moment you get into eye tracking you get into brain signals you can understand the difference in the in the data across the stimuli and you can completely understand you know this is standing out mm. because people are liking this more uh your brain is responding much more to a particular stimuli which is entire attention of the of the brain and that's what we are able to make a big big differences right from advertising testings to the packaging testing yeah or, or the entire ux designs you mentioned something before we jump into the pitch deck is like asking people for conscious mind reviews right, right. effectively of it could be an advert it could be deliveroo for example yeah you know as increasingly you're getting used to it as a consumer that everything is 4 or 5 yeah so if something's actually 4.0 as a review that might actually be quite a bad review <laughs> because you know i don't know people don't like giving negative feedback yep. in public they right. they worry about the consequences they worry about the ramifications of that kind of behavior so they either don't do it or just give them a 4 rather than a 5 so what what's happening is the conscious mind 
review system is becoming ineffective in a way. It's mm -hmm. not telling us what the reality is. Did people really like that or did they hate it? We don't know. Right. And often if they hated it, they give no review. Absolutely. So it's not giving us the full picture. So we've got to go a bit deeper, right? So hopefully you're going to take us there today. Sure, so definitely. So we can understand it. Let's have a look at the market itself first. I'm going to jump around your pitch deck a little bit, Rajiv. Yeah. So um, into the NeuroSense and pitch deck. I want to start with slide five. Now, there's two market slides in your pitch deck. Yeah. And um, this one here is the gaps in the market research. And there's another market slide we're going to talk about in a minute. So these are the market opportunities, if you like. So the actual size of the market, I'm going to read the, the pitch deck titles because not everybody can see the slide right. but it says measuring subconscious responses and you have here the total target market is 23 billion dollars right what are we talking about here is that a research market or what so that's a that's a customized research market which has been done entirely by the claim-based understanding hmm. so this is a global market that would be old nielsen right yeah that's okay. correct so th that's the traditional way the research was done and this size is only reflective of the larger enterprises, okay? Because a lot of SMEs, when they do research, a lot of that data is not published. Yeah. So this is mainly reflective of what larger enterprises are doing with, with traditional research companies. Uh, and that's a, that's a reflection of the traditional research size. Right, so that's the, the $23 billion market right. which you are addressing. Which we want to idly convert into neuroscience. Right, that's neuroscience. Correct. And neuroscience, you've got three different areas here on the, the pitch deck, EEG, eye tracking, virtual reality. Right. So these are tests that you would run, that research you would run for control conditions, consumers? That's correct. So these are some of them are controlled conditions yeah. uh, where EEG is, is kind of device which you put on the head and without even asking consumers when they're, they're looking at advertising, you're trying to pick up the brain signals and making sense of that brain signal. Yeah. That which, which part of the advertising is is you know lighting a bulb in a way so through the entire thematics we try to understand uh, which particular advertising second mm. is catching their attention so where are they getting bored where are they getting confused where are they getting engaged so that entire thematic or or, or at which is 30 second or 15 second is broken down by us into second by second understanding so that completely comes from the brain mapping, mm. where we pick up the brain signals and we're how, talking about. How right accurate now. is that? What can I learn? I mean, let's say, for example, you put that device on my head and I watched a Coke advert. Right. What, what are you going to learn from me feeding back those signals to you? Right. So, see, when you look at that entire Coke commercial, for example, so the key learning is that you learn that each for each second, which which are the part of the of the advertising where people are completely engaged. Yeah. And where are they getting disassociated, or where are they getting bored? Unlike as brand, we have always been thinking that my stimuli is always engaging consumers. But the reality, if I ask you, Graham, how many billboards do you remember seeing yesterday? 25,000. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you would have seen many of them. Yeah. You don't recall any no, of them, exactly. right? Because it, it works as subconscious mind. So your brain cannot be engaged 100% of the time. So the idea is that to understand which part of the advertising where brain is can completely getting bored or disengaged. Yeah. And that's the part that you want to improve. And you can't get 100% engagement because your brain will switch off, switch on, switch off, switch on. So you on. can use this for like split testing, commercials and you messages yeah. and identifying what works, what doesn't work? Absolutely. But is it binary? Is it simply like engaged, not engaged? Or is it like, you know, happy, sad, yeah, so angry? Can I get those emotions as well? You can. So what we do, we break it down into brain states. We call it as engagement, confusion, moderate engagement, uh, boredom. 
and completely snooze where mm. you are completely you know of course you're not sleeping but you're mentally and physically you're not there so we break into down into those brain states and when you mention happy sad angry that's more from a facial expression that we code okay but when it comes to the brain mapping we give those five or six brain states where second by second you can understand which parts are confusing which parts are boring so that's a complete system one thinking hmm. but it doesn't take away from system 2 which is a conscious understanding because we still need to ask consumers what are things that they are liking how they're comprehending the message and we try to make a story of both the set right. of the data which is system 1 and system 2 so system 2 is the survey is a claim data okay excellent because that brings me to the next market slide as well which yeah. i think sort of ties nicely in with this so we've also talked about running the subconscious uh survey data if you like and then on slide 9 if i can just jump forward this is are we looking now at the survey side of things just so I make sure I'm, so you're talking about this is traditional survey research right. is it 60 billion dollars this is what we are estimating yeah yeah so that that is estimate size of the smes market yeah uh, so of course that's estimation because there's so much of small and mid enterprises they do research but that a lot of that is not captured mm. uh, by the proper institutions uh, so we are estimating that sme market might be around 60 billion dollar which is completely again is a survey based mm. yeah What SME market mean? Does it mean accessible to startups, for example? Yes, so accessible to startups, uh, small and medium enterprises. Yeah. Uh, so they are also doing a lot of research, but a lot of that is not getting captured in a proper manner from a from a calculation perspective. And how would that research best apply? Is it here's my marketing messages, or here's a product, or here's our website? Is you need some asset that they can interact with, right? Or can you survey them just with basic questions without having a product? What works here? Right so so I think what we are talking about is a second revenue stream yeah. which is service sensor now service sensor is a software while neurosensor has been very much a consulting service so let me just tell you a bit of history how service sensor emerged so when we started neurosensor and uh, when we were going to the clients with neuroscience approaches now uh, one thing that we realized that larger enterprises are loving it but when we took it to the startups when we took took to the mid-sized enterprises they love the concept but they could not afford it hmm. because consulting overall has been expensive so they came back to us that can you give me a software which can help me to do research my by my own but it can do it in a real time manner but can this software be completely ai driven as in that you know, if i want to do a product testing or my website testing i just need to put a query into a software hmm. and that software automatically helps you to give a survey or a design without you making the entire questionnaire by yourself so that was the concept that how it emerged where a lot of smes they were not very you know savvy in terms of the research skills or market research mm-hmm. skills so they wanted a software like that which can help them to create surveys which can help them to get the data from the consumers and can also help them to get everything real time including the reporting so as in that is is a machine that you ask a machine give me a a quick survey for website testing and it gives you a survey and you ask a consumer to fill that that information data comes back and then you again ask machine can you give me a report out of this so without you manually crunching the data machine is intuitive enough to give you the complete reporting itself mm. and on top of that i think the consumers can the machines write the report for you without you writing it manually so that's how service and some entirely came into picture uh, so it still is a claim based because what i realized that neuroscience might not be affordable to the sme market but there still is a big market out there that we can possibly get into with the claim based service as a software mm. 
and eventually move them up up the ladder with the neuroscience as they get more used to the market research. Right, and that would make more sense when they're a bit more focused on what their needs are. Right, right. at the early stage, a startup really doesn't know. It's really you know testing a market Correct. in many cases. Would that work for say us as a company if we were a podcast media house? How would we use it? Because you know we don't have a product I can show somebody apart right. from they can look at it online. Right. Or listen to it. Could it work in that context? Yeah, it, it will. Let me give you an example. Uh, you also have people coming to to your studio. Yeah, like yourself, uh, like my, my me, or or the venture team we just yeah. went out. Yeah. So, imagine if you want to understand a customer experience, right? Mm. I mean, the world is moving towards a completely customer experience. You want to understand what they think about pitch deck and what mm. they think about the entire podcast that you're doing. Did they like the like the entire experience of it? You just need to send a survey to them. Using our software, you can just create create a quick three four questions. Mm. You have the database of those those individuals. You can send an email to them. They reply to you. They get back to you with the entire feedback, and the software helps you to do the to the entire storytelling automatically. Mm. So the entire reporting software generates for you, and it also tells you the story. How, uh, how does it do that bit? I'm fascinated by that because storytelling is a very human thing, right? Right. Right. So, for example, one part of the story is entirely text analytics. For example, if you ask me a survey, mm. say if I go out from here, you immediately you can send a survey to me, Rajiv. How was your experience with podcasting? So you can have questions which is you know which can be rating questions, mm. which is one to five, and you can ask me an open-ended question which is completely verbatim based. That you know, can you tell me how was your experience? So I can I can write a text to you, but for you to read one thousand people yeah. text is so difficult to read. You know, and it's so difficult to interpret. You have to go through each by one by one. So that's where the entire text analytic comes in, which is a machine learning algorithm. Mm. So this entire text is fed into a machine in a way, which gives you the entire themes. That these are the things that people are liking, and their sentiments are positive or negative. Mm. So it's, it's comp- the entire this entire text gets into into a machine learning algorithm. It's called NLP, which helps us to create these entire themes. Which these themes are these are things that they like. Which can be entire, you know, uh, voice quality. Yeah. Uh, but there's a thing that they don't like. Uh, yeah. So, which is the entire bucketing of those those insights, which so that you don't have to go through individual responses one by one. I've seen that. I mean, if if I can understand from a consumer perspective, in websites like, for example, and correct me if I'm wrong, there may be like Air, not Airbnb, but like a TripAdvisor tile website which buckets those key phrases yeah and it says you know this hotel was popular and 120 people talked about the front desk or right. the breakfast for right. example right. and what they've i guess what they're doing is they're using some kind of machine learning algorithm to bucket similar kind of phrases together right. you know anything that talks about the breakfast in a positive way gets bucketed here Got and it. then that becomes like a snippet that they can send out right. is that kind of where we're going with that in sort of crunching all that information yeah. from research yeah absolutely so traditionally we were we were taking weeks to do that yeah which is manual coding like the example that you gave is a perfect example so it's similar methodology in the market research domain so that's what is text analytics all about but the future the way we are dreaming the future to be when these consumers, they give you the data, uh, or your clients, they give you the data, that this data can be enormous. So that PowerPoint or charting that we have been doing for years, the idea is that can machine automatically give you the summary. Mm. So with, you don't have to interpret the chart yourself. Machine interprets that, you know, on the average, 
customers are not happy with with sorry to say in case if they're not happy but they're not happy the because of the coffee outside for yeah. example so they're not happy because the coffee outside yeah. was not good enough right so you don't have to interpret that data anymore machine is able to interpret that data and tell yeah. you a story so that's where we are moving the entire software to to be yeah so, when a machine does it does it produce a different result to a human being because and you were doing this for years i'm yeah. sure and i guess you know i wonder if you were producing that for a client the fact that you're getting paid by that client might change the dynamic a little bit i'm not saying it compromised your professional mm-hmm. credentials but you know you may have softened the message in a way or interpreted it in some way does it, how, how is it with the machine running because it's just blunt isn't it this right. is how it is absolutely so traditionally it was consultants running the analysis for you so it doesn't change it in a big way because when you go to nielsen or any of the traditional research companies when they're giving you data they're giving a consulting mm. so they're writing summaries they're writing recommendation so the idea is that can that human brain can be fed into a machine which auto learns over a period of time and can generate that for you so rather than, so that see that's how thing you make things affordable you make things affordable by bringing technology hmm. into picture which can help you to save a lot of time it can you can do it faster you can do it cheaper so again i think it's a sense entire human brain with been fed back into an algorithm which is getting trained again and again and again and again yeah so that if i'm writing a command can machine match my thinking of writing commands so that's where the external cons- expert consultants are helping the data science team to write these entire stories yeah okay we'll talk about the clients you've got on board as well on the journey yeah. this is where it gets interesting we jump back into the pitch deck and um i think it's slide 6 and 7 let's go back a little few here you have a very good slide here that's what every investor wants to see on the pitch deck some you know a lots of logos some great clients here as well unilever reket benzica for example you've got benkesa sorry all the you know the key names here what is going on here you have hustled and won a lot of business for your company mm-hmm. what is the message that's getting people on what what are you finding that you must be taking business away from traditional research companies right what 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 are you saying to them differently and i guess in a way um they they may be a little bit skeptical about your offer as well because it's kind of a little bit star trek in some people's ideas isn't it so how do you sell that to large corporates and what's working for you at the moment right so see uh, the slide that you're showing is our first revenue stream which is neuroscience because servicesensum just got launched a month back as we are still building the pipeline for it now neurosensum got launched in 2018 so the entire pitch to the to the clients is i'm going to give you much more than a, a conscious mind so it was it's, i will i'll not say it was a difficult sell to to large extent because you know that has been the latent need from the marketers yeah the only question that you ask me is a question that people ask how accurate is it Right, so that's the only question which always comes: that is it really accurate? Can I trust this entire methodology, or are your algorithms accurate enough? But the entire pitch has been: I'll give you more than what you get in a conscious data, almost at a similar price of a conscious data. Mm. So, but so I think this this is where the entire education is coming in. That I'll uh, I'm not going to charge you really hefty amounts, possibly ten or twenty percent premium to what you have been paying traditionally. but I'll give you some new insights on top of that which is the entire system on insights and how does that change client behavior 
because I'm always interested in there's one thing giving people insights and them learning, but then how do they when they feed that back into product development, market testing, do you see a change? I do see a change. I think uh, not every time, but I do. I've seen a lot of changes when it when it comes to advertising testing mm. that we have done using neuroscience. When it, when it comes to packaging testing, UX designs, website designs, I've seen a lot of inputs being taken by the clients in terms of refining their, their stimuli or refining their strategies. Uh, but as you rightly said, that not everybody will jump on the board no. straight away, right? But when you have the big names jumping on it becomes easier to convince others then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you've got a whole bunch of big names there. You've got some of the best. In Jakarta, yes. But yeah. no, we need to replicate that success in India or, or Singapore. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's even more exciting, isn't it? Now <laughs> it you is. can just go out and expand across these markets. There is a slide after this about your journey and where you started and where you're heading to. So you launched Neuro in Indonesia first. That's correct. You moved to Singapore just recently. What's next? I mean, 2020 onwards, where do you see this going? What is this, you know, what does your growth curve look like? Is it now just a business where you just need to add on lots of account managers and salespeople? Or do you need to build new technology to get to the next step? Yeah, so when it comes to neuroscience, I think uh, the one part is whatever we have created, can we expand it further? That's a basic first step, hmm. which is uh, to expand in Southeast Asia. That's that's the thing that we're looking at right now. I think when it comes to technology, there are, of, of course, from neuroscience perspective, facial expressions is something that we're looking at right now, which is, uh, especially for the Asian faces, hmm. which might not be as expressive to get the emotions. So that's something that we're working on right now. Can, can we get the finer movement of Asian face, which is not extremely, extremely expressive? So that's something that we want to add as a part of our, our product portfolio. Are you able to test that in the wild, so to speak? So I can imagine testing, obviously, with the, the EEG device in a control condition in a lab or in an office or whatever, yet, like, testing actual interaction with products you can imagine the classic cases like in store right and people browsing a shelf right eye tracking i think that's already happening now yeah but facial recognition and feeding that back in to say okay these weren't test subjects these are real people buying off the shelf this is how they reacted to your display which ux in the real world right yeah. how far are we into that situation is that happening now are you able to do that as a part of your plan i think it's happening right now with uh, some of the companies I know. Uh, I'll not name those companies, but yeah, uh, it's happening right now. Where uh, I think that's where we plan to get into, which is the entire in-store moment capturing, mm. where you've got cameras and uh, nothing. But uh, but again, I think there has to be a lot of privacy issues which comes around it, which which we have to think how we work around that with the with the with the retailers, for example. So yeah, but 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 that's what the idea is in the future. That you know, how can we understand the complete insights in that inside the store which is using the facial expressions not only the eye tracking yeah but that is where the future might might move towards yeah it can also then open up a lot of opportunities right because then you have all of that in a movie theater right. for example how do people interact with big screen advertising or even actors in scenes for example how do they interact with that i know a lot has been done in controlled conditions in that but it'd be fascinating to see that let loose on those yeah. in the wild environments. Then, then the opportunity is 10x. Right? That's correct. 
Okay, I'm doing the sales pitch for you here. You so. are. So right now, I think what you're looking at even virtual reality kind yeah. of replicates that, but in a controlled environment. Is that okay? Help me understand that then. So you would put the headset on somebody and they would go into a store yeah. and then browse in yeah. the store as if they were going into the real world. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And can that replicate as much of those interactions and emotions as it would normally? Uh, not exactly 100%, but you know, uh, but the idea is that if you tell a store that I have got these three new packs, I want to try it, test it out in 7-Eleven yeah. or any of the store, they're not going to allow you to, to do the testing in those stores. You know, they've got four of them. But then uh, one option is just show the pack just like that. Second option is, can you try to make it real when you know that you can't do it in real? So if you've got four new options and, yeah. and stores are not going to allow you to do that. So the virtual reality is not reality. That's what's called virtual reality. But it tends to replicate as much as a reality which still allows you to do far more many things that you would not have done it in, in a normal scenario. Yeah. Does it allow the kind of level of complexity needed to make that authentic? So let's say I'm, I'm an automotive manufacturer and mm -hmm. you talked about UX design. Let's say I want to talk about the design of my cockpit, so to mm -hmm. speak. And if we, if we keep it easy, we can just focus on the dashboard right. and the, you know, the, the display or you know the the iPad that sits there in the dashboard interacting right. with the car, for example. Right. Can I can we design that enough such that we can get real feedback from that? That it's for the for the user real enough that they're invested in that whole sort of scenario. We we have done that for at least for the packaging we have done that we have done that for some consumer good companies some of the yeah. multinationals we have done that, uh, including Danone Dutch Lady. We have done that where they, their entire picture was converted into a 3D graphic. So we created almost like a shell where consumer could immerse into a shell. They could pick the product. Yeah. They could rotate it. They could see it. They could they could put that in the basket. So we and, and along with the music. So we we provide them the headphones as if they are walking into uh, into Mart and there's a music out there. So we could replicate that entirely. Yeah. Is it real enough though? Because you know you might say because you can't feel it. Yeah. You know that. Maybe it's all like fun, so I'll do whatever. But right. you know, when I'm in the supermarket and I'm busy and the kids are like playing up and I've got to get home by six o'clock, it's a different environment. Correct. So as I said, you know, it's not as real as it we, we want to be. Uh, but this is, I, I still say it's a better solution to because if you've got four new options, yeah, one option is to still do it a claim base that I ask you and you tell me without giving an environment. Second option is to create that environment, like, you know, as if that you're building 7-Eleven and imagine how costly it is to build that environment as in control. Mm. So this somewhere sits in between. It might not be as real as we want to be, but it still is better than what we have been doing for years and years. So it sounds like you're, what you're suggesting is you're building different data points. You would maybe have that experiment combined with the claim-based conscious yeah. surveys yeah. combined with some other technology, for example. And you would then bring all that together for a client. That's correct. You say, look, it's not, you can't just look at one. And in a way, you're almost having to think like a startup here. You're doing lots of validations. Yep. There's not yep. one answer. Yeah. But you're sort of trying to, you know, tighten the, the net a little bit, right. put it in a little bit and trying to get to the answer. Absolutely. So I think uh, uh, you have to look at both the conscious and subconscious. For example, if I ask you two plus two gram, give yeah. me an answer. Not easy, five. Right? <laughs> Not five. So in your subconscious mind, you got four. Yeah. But if I said 25 multiplied 17, your subconscious possibly might signal to your conscious mind. Yeah. yeah. So that's why both are important, right? I need to understand what you're rationalizing. I need to understand what you're thinking. Yeah. So it's not this or that. It's a combination of both. 
Great. I'm still working it out, by the way. I'll, I'll come to it in a minute. So <laughs> the second one, not the first. Oh, right. Right, okay. Um, I think it's important that we have a look at your team and the journey from here on inwards as well. And especially, you know, what your future looks like, because you, you've got a good track record already. Right. You know, you're from the industry. You know what's broken. Yep. You've got a good client base. You can see the meta trend happening which is, you know, you're slightly ahead of the curve in that mm -hmm. sense. Um, do you have the right people for the job, you know, and do you have enough funds to get you there? Right. right. Because, you know, if you find the answer, you need to scale fast before somebody else copies it, right? Got it. So let's have a look at the, the team itself. So if we can jump forward on the pitch deck right towards the end. Um, so 45 people yep. in the team at the moment, you're the owner of the company you there's a co-founder you just the sole oh, there, there's a co-founder yeah okay what are you what are your backgrounds are you more on the like are you the front-facing part of the the co-founding team or are you more the tech side Who, who's making the widget and who's selling it right so the, that's also interesting that we've got two companies that we are we are the founders of so my co-founder he's a non-executive director in, in neurosensum yeah but he runs a other company called ai sensum so that's a big data analytics so there are two companies that we have co-founded together. So I take com complete decisions on Neurosensum while he takes complete decision on AISensum. Are you a non-exec on? Uh, I'm a okay. non-exec there. So you've got yeah. like a bit of balance. And right. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. And how does that work in practice when you work together? Are you sort of separate day to day? Or are you like very much, you know, in, in each other's businesses in the fact that when you do a project involves both of you? Uh, normally, it works in a very standalone manner yeah. uh, because these are two completely different domains. But in, sometimes the clients can be common. A client might need uh, market research uh, or, or possibly a software that we like service in some, but in some mm. cases, they might have a AI solution, a big data solution that they might need. In that case, we do help each other, but we don't get into each other's day-to-day -day operations. Mm. It's more at a strategic level that we work together and help each other. Okay, understood. And you, in, in terms of how it's organized, your, your headquarters are here in Singapore. You have, I think, uh, the pitch deck's not there, sorry. Okay, so just under 20 people in India. Yeah. 26 on the commercial side, are they based all over? Okay, I'm just having a look. I'm just looking under the Indonesia, Singapore, India. Yeah. Are, are they salespeople? Are they account managers? Yeah. So, so it's a mix of salespeople and account managers. Yeah. So while India is a complete back-end office for us, but we recently started commercials in India, just a month back. So the entire data science team, engineering team, digital marketing happens from India. Mm. While Indonesia is where we have the account manager and commercial team. Singapore, there are three of us. In fact, two of us, one person is joining us soon. So again, that's the same account manager plus, plus sales team. Right, okay. But you have a model that worked in Indonesia. You're now replicating that elsewhere with a yeah. little bit of a, a local twist. It sounds like... It is a kind of model where if you can open a market, you just need to put in account managers. Yeah. And, you know, the clients are going to be slightly different, but, you know, Unilever in one country is not too dissimilar from another country. Right. So, you know, expansion is not going to be too much of an issue there, right? Yeah, I think expansion, uh, when it comes to service and some which goes to the mid-size enterprises, the, these mid-size mm. enterprises can vary by country to country. So that's where the expansion can be a different bit different per country, but larger enterprises can be, a lot of them can be similar. Some of them can be dissimilar. Yeah. So with service and some, there's a lot of more mid-size localization uh, selling 
while with neurosensor it's more like original accounts and big yeah. accounts yeah okay good on to the last slide Which funding if I can request you do not to show that number. Oh, okay, we're not showing the funding slide. So are we allowed to talk about whether you're fundraising or not? Or where are you with that stage? So just yeah. maybe give us an overview. Right. So we, we, we did a seed round. Uh, that was uh, in February 1-8. Uh, that was from one of the biggest investors in Indonesia, mm-hmm. Alpha JWC. Uh, t- very great team to work with. Then we just did Series A, which is a month back. That was SIG Asia. Mm-hmm. So of course we are still fundraising a bit more so that you know we can we can go aggressive in 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 getting a good market share in the region. So yeah, we are do, still doing a bit more fundraising now. Yeah. Right, but it's not your main focus right now. I think our main focus is expand service sensor and, and neurosensor into the countries. Yeah. Uh, so that's what our, our main focus currently is. So I guess a big part of why you're here today is get the message out there. Yeah. Who are you looking to appeal to? Because obviously investment's good. Yeah. Obviously you'll take conversations with people if it's right. relevant and they right. can add value. But more maybe the people who can help grow the team and those talents that can help you either on the tech side or the account management side. What, yeah. what are you looking for at the moment? I think what I'm looking for right now is, uh, of course, reaching out to the clients. Uh, I think with, with neuroscience, of course, that's one bit to reach out to the larger clients. But the entire volumes comes from ServiceSense, which is to to help completely revolutionize the way mid-size enterprises are doing the research. Mm. So the idea is to reach out to both mid-size and, and larger enterprises, of course, with slightly different offering. So that's one part, which is, I think, is, is a key thing, which is constantly grow the business and mm. get the sales. Second part, of course, is to to reach out to more future talent that we can have in our company who can help us to grow the company and make it much bigger. What would they be? What kind of backgrounds? Research? Selling research? Uh, Nielsen? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't believe in that personally. I think uh, what when I look for people who are in the team or who are directly working with me, I look for people who have the entrepreneur mindset, mm. who can you know roll up the sleeves, uh, get their hands dirty, doesn't matter whether they come from research and non-research. I think right attitude is more important than anything else. You can always mm. train the skills. Absolutely. Yeah. Be it sales, be it, be it marketing, be it research. Everything can be trained. I think it's all about willingness to go extra mile mm. and think that this is your company. So that's why I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a kind of person who likes giving you SOPs or ensure that you know a lot of people at the top level who are ready to roll up the sleeves are getting shares in the company. And I think those are kind of individuals that we look for. Absolutely, they're yeah. gold. If you get the right people yeah. who want to be part of something, want to grow something, Absolutely. and believe in your vision yeah. and want to help build it, those That's are the good. people you want. In what markets particularly are you looking at now? So I think uh, given that we are in India, Indonesia, and Singapore, I think in the last one and a half years, we have expanded very fast. Yeah. So now the idea is to first go deeper in these three markets and get a good control or, or good market share. I think possibly only after six months and so we might look for one more country in Southeast Asia. We haven't decided which one. So, of course, there have been a big debate, you know, is it Thailand, is it Malaysia, is it Vietnam, is it Philippines? Mm. Those discussions keep on happening. I think uh, right now we just want to do well where we are located and then then expand somewhere in the region. Okay. But you'll be open to conversation with anybody in any of those markets, I guess, with a view to future. Because you want that conversations to start early rather than the day that you need to open your office then right you want to have that sort of understanding of what they can bring and help you in that process as well yeah. right so we, we, we are having a conversation with with someone in thailand right now mm. but i think that conversation is a bit early but i think that might be possibly the next market we might venture into 
yeah as you rightly said you know you always need to have 6 to 8 months of lead time for the conversation yeah. and get the right person on board great exciting times the expansion of neurosensum you've heard it here and hopefully this is the beginning hopefully there's more as well you can come back and share an update with us and maybe some of your i think you're involved in some quite cutting edge tech as well i think as a research guy you'd probably be like to share some of your insights and findings you know in terms of what's going on in the market and what we've got to watch out for because i mean it's great that these things are happening you now but i think we don't know what's possible at the moment right and maybe you can share some of those insights in the future as well and help us understand what's happening at the subconscious level help us understand our own subconscious as well <laughs> when it comes to buying decisions right that's rajiv lumber everybody from neurosense and thank you so much for sharing that with us today does linkedin work for you in terms of people reaching out to you what's your preferred channel i think uh, linkedin has been the best one so that's my channel to reach out to people yeah yeah good all right all the details in the show notes Thank you so much Rajiv. Thanks Grant. Thanks for the time. It's it's fantastic seeing you again and having a great conversation. Great. Thank you. That was Pitch Deck Asia powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice. We give them a show to help them tell their story and if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders go and check out our soundcloud channel which is available at pitchdeck.asia/soundcloud that's pitchdeck.asia/soundcloud head along to the channel subscribe follow us and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well we'd love to hear your feedback